But yeah, so welcome to Wedding Capture Go. Here we are with our first proper episode. First proper episode, yeah. So yeah, we did the intro, which hopefully you've you've listened to, so you know who we are, and we're not just two random idiots talking about weddings. Um, so yeah, so this is our first proper episode, and today that we're here to talk about how you can prepare and get yourself ready for your 2023 wedding season. Yeah, I mean it's it's February. Uh, no, it's March actually. It's March. It's, it's only just, but it is March. Yeah. It's March now, and for most of us, like the wedding season is is either started or it's just about to start. So this time, as you're sort of finishing up last year's stuff again onto this year's weddings, is a good time um, to do some housekeeping in the business um, and make sure you're prepared for the year ahead. Because if you don't do your preparations, you're just going to get overwhelmed. Um, you're going to get a backlog, and if you felt overwhelmed last year it's just going to happen the same again this year unless you try and put your process in place beforehand and i think as well the main thing is is if if you can build yourself processes and kind of boundaries or whatever that you build is you know that's taken care of so you've only got to then focus on the job in hand you're not worrying about those admin tasks or have a posted on instagram or whatever is when you get to a wedding you're not thinking about all the other things that you've got to do so that you can really focus all of your you know, energy and talent into just making the best images that you can. And so then people see them and get them fast and, you you know, your delivery. And so that there's, you still can still manage to keep hopefully some kind of balance during wedding season. It's about not having too much on your brain and too much going on. So that when you turn up to a wedding, like you say, you're, you're fresh, you're not worrying about, oh, I've got like 16 weddings I've got to edit from, or I've got a post on social media because I haven't done it in a while. Like that's, you've already planned exactly what you're going to take from each wedding and put on social media beforehand and things like exactly. that. Exactly. And I think also the biggest thing as well is that you're not making mistakes. You know, you're not turning up to a wedding with a memory card in your camera from the last wedding that you haven't backed up or, you know, you forgot to format and then you're there panicking going, can I format the card because I need it, but it's still got someone else's wedding on it. And I don't know whether I've got a copy of that. And it's all that stuff. But if you kind of have systems in place kind of that you can build at the start of the year that then you kind of just rinse and repeat through the entire season it's it kind of becomes routine then if you like and so it's it's very it's very easy to stick to habits and get yourself into good habits before you get overwhelmed and busy exactly. and it will take a while to nail down what works for you guys and your business because it's taken us probably years to figure out what works for us um but it's a good place to start it is you know listening to us talk about we're going to go delve into some into some points that we're going to make about you know what's important to prepare for and I think it's a good place to start on your business is um, different workflows and ways that you can get about go about preparing for the season, basically. And I think we have workflows and processes, I think, uh, at the core of any good business. I think you need to know the journey that you're going on and the tasks that need to get done. And if you have that laid out, it's just a case of working way through them kind of methodically as, as it goes along. Yeah, exactly. So let's start with um, getting your workflows sorted while we're talking about workflows. Um, and the point that I've written down is getting your client workflows, your project workflows and your social media workflows. So client being the client journey. So what you don't, I've written this down because what you don't want to do is you're halfway through the wedding season. You're, you know, you've got a backlog of 10, 15 weddings, whatever it might be. Um, and you get an inquiry and that person isn't going to hear from back from you for a few days, um, because you're doing weddings and you're editing and things like that but you don't have a system in place to send them somewhere or to send them a brochure or, you know, you don't have an automatic email that you can you can write for a negative response. If you can't do the wedding day, um, you need something automated you can send the negative response to. And so if you haven't got that client journey already planned out for both people that you can do and people that you can't do, then you're going to end up sending lots of unnecessary emails. Um, and, you know, the, even the people that do book you are going to have a less... I don't know, positive booking experience because you're so busy doing everything else. I think that's the important thing, is it? It doesn't matter that if you, if you have an inquiry in January when you're quiet or you have an inquiry coming in August, is you need to service those clients or make them feel just as special and no matter uh, their whole journey with you. And that just because, say, you're in the middle of wedding season and you still need to get back to them and treat them with the same say, level of, of, of quickness and politeness and the rest of it, then you do that if you meet if you book them in January. Yeah, exactly. The client journey is important and you want them to feel special no matter when they're booking you. Um, and the way we, I think we both do it is Student Ninja, which is obviously just a, another client, um, a customer relationship manager. Yeah, a, yeah a, C, a CRM in whatever you base. And, and there are many out there. So it's fortunate that me and Chris both use Studio Ninja and, and fully recommend it as well. Like, 
uh, yeah. yeah yeah fully I, I took it on um in during the pandemic mainly so i had time to set it up much like an off-season time when you're quieter to have time to load on all the weddings that i'd already had booked in on my old system and then go from there and i can honestly say now that i do not know how i coped without it yeah definitely so like we were talking about earlier automated emails if you can't do the date you can just click a button and it will send them an email with you know, recommendations on videographers if you can do the date then it will automatically send an email with a brochure or something like that um and obviously the journey itself uh you can you know keep sending emails to clients throughout the process you know in the six to 12 months leading up to the wedding so they're constantly hearing from you this is something that i haven't actually made the most of yet but i do intend to i think it's something that i've really started to work on in my off season which i think is a really valid point that we've got it here is is building that workflow and i had last year probably a very basic form of that workflow and i've really tried to work some yes and more touch points into it or again using it to its full potential that if you go to a wedding and you think or it's even something as simple as uh, all of my weddings that I've had have used that really crummy, dried up flower confetti, which is like dust. It looks rubbish on camera. It itches everybody that it touches. So I started to, so I built a small email, which goes out somewhere around three to four months before the wedding. One, it's a touch point so that you're appearing in their inbox to go, hey, just checking in. Um, I know you're thinking maybe about a confetti shot on your wedding day. This is the stuff that I recommend. And even if it's you're recommending sparklers or you're telling them to make sure that they get all their stuff together, you know, all their detail stuff in one place there when you arrive at prep and you can build those things into it as well as the real fundamental points of it's eight weeks away from your wedding. Here's a questionnaire or we need to have a meet or you need to pay your invoice. All of that, all of that stuff is there in a set journey and it's all automated. And I know for myself that in the height of wedding season, it's very easy to worry about what wedding you've got this weekend, not wedding that you've got in six weeks' time and you need to send them a questionnaire or a payment reminder to. Yeah, exactly. The last thing you want to be worrying about is what I've got in like eight, six to eight weeks or whatever. And so having that automated system that already sends them the questionnaire they've got to fill out before your pre-wedding call so that you don't have to then think, oh, yeah, I've got to send that and that, that email. Once I'm done with this wedding, I'll send out that email for that wedding I've got in two months' time. And you'll be focusing on right here and now and so the automation allows you to do that. And I think also giving tips, like you say, is really important. I've actually got that in my to-do list at the moment, which is to, you know, incorporate tips and hints and stuff into the client workflow because- It helps you and your client. Because, like, you know, we, we're coming, or all of us as we're wedding creatives, you would like to think attend far more weddings than your clients do. So we see though, these things time and time again, and it doesn't only make you able to provide them with a better experience or better footage or photos because their confetti looks better because you recommended a certain brand. It also means that they bought, you know, it helps them as well have a better effect on their wedding day because they don't know that that's not the best stuff to buy or there's other stuff which is better. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's really important. But it's not just the, um, the client experience and that kind of thing that's important. It's also your workflow in terms of your uh, filming, photography and editing process as well. And I think where I'm, where I'm coming from with this is that, you know, my current process is I just sit down and I just edit and I'm like, well, I'll edit that one and then I'll edit that one. Sometimes I get bored and move on to another one. What I've started doing now is I've got a list of the exact tasks I need to do for every single wedding and the order I need to do them in. <clears throat> so at the moment, you've got, you know, culling footage. And then after culling footage, rather than getting straight into edit, I'll go through a screenshot loads of that footage. Then I'll go through and make some reels from it so that I've got like a bulk of reels that I can post from that wedding. And then I'll start the actual process um, of, of editing and I'll have that same to-do list for every single wedding. So I've then got like a, a, a process and a workflow for that editing. And I imagine for yourself as video, that, pro that editing process, obviously the amount of footage that you're harboring and you have to sort through is, is a far more laborious task than it is as a photographer. For me, again, it's say, that project workflow it's probably maybe a lot more concise with, with photo, but it's still just as important. It's, you know, it's empty in those cards so that you've got, you know, a backup in a couple of places, then a culling phase, an editing phase, you know, that renaming, uploading it to your online galleries and all of that stuff. It's still, it's still a process, which is a process that your client doesn't see. Yeah. But if it falls down somewhere and then you, I'd say you forget to back up a card or you only cull from one card and miss one or things like that, or you... Or you don't you miss them edit them some shots so they they, they slip into the gallery unedited and things like that. If you sing like backups as well, like putting it onto different hard drives and things like that. Like you wanna you wanna have those hard drives already ready. Yeah. Make sure you've got enough space. Uh, you know, I've 
for the last couple of years, I've because I've just upgraded, you know, 4K and 10 bit and everything. I've had to upgrade all my hard drives, and I get to, get to the middle of the year, middle of the wedding season, and I'm like, I've run out of backup space now. I'll go and buy a hard drive. So you should already be planning ahead. But again, it makes it messy then that your archives not all in one place. So I've done the same this year. I was always using um, like hard drives, like standard hard drives. Um, but over last year, I started to move over to the, the small portable SSDs just to be able to back up at the end of a wedding day much quicker. So I found that this year I've already gone out and I've already gone and bought two SSDs of a sensible enough size that I think that I can get all of my year's weddings on those so that if I want to come back, when I go and do my big backups for archive storage or just want to go, oh, I need to find those photos from that wedding, I'm only pulling from that hard drive, not going, oh, well, April to June's on this hard drive. And then I bunged August on another hard drive because the, the new one from Amazon didn't arrive. And there's that's no way to archive and keep your work. And I think, you know, the crux of all of this is about setting good habits and kind of making that space and taking that time now. That So when you do roll through the door at midnight from a wedding, you literally go to that hard drive, you plug it in, and that system is there that you can almost do it on autopilot rather than, in a, in a pace of panic or not knowing what to do. That's important for you, for photographers especially as well, I think, because that archive is your source of, um, you know, potential social media content. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So when it comes to, you know, someone's anniversary or something, oh, maybe I could post a video. You can just go on the archive, yeah. sorry, a, a picture, go on the archive, get a photo from their wedding, post it on and, and you're done. That's, a, that's, a, that's it. I think, you know, and then this is, and I don't approach into too much of, 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 a, of a full episode in itself but just that file management side so that you can go and find something from a wedding that you shot two three four years ago or if something topical comes up you can you can go okay that year's on that drive their wedding was roughly that time of year and it's easy to go in and you know you have a a, a repeatable file management system across everything that you do across your archive so it is it's as simple as it is, it is to operate exactly and that brings us to like the final sort of workflow section in its social media which is like we we're just talking about how you know it's important to your archive is your main source for social media so that's good but but also so many of us i know me in particular as well i'll get into like a little habit i'll post like every wednesday or something and then as soon as wedding season hits i'm like i'm catching up so i'm literally on the wednesday i'm there like oh what do i post quickly let's let's go and grab something from here and grab something from here Whereas I think now is a really good time to nail down a schedule, what you want to be taking from each wedding, maybe in terms of, do you want to take a quick story? Um, just write down, you know, a list of things. This is something you can actually do is write down a list of things that you want to be posting each week or posting from each wedding. You could also use this time to create reels, um, gather photos from last year's weddings and, and get a few posts together from those. Um, and then, from there you can create a sort of schedule and you know then you have a target to hit each week and also a little bit of a backlog so if you're really busy one week you can just go back and get one of the things I think that's you... it you know now there are so many scheduling apps out there you know like tailwind com comes to mind because that's the one that I, I i use a little bit or even just having drafts saved in your in your instagram is the example that we'll use say so just to have kind of you know some backup posts of good content there and if anything, once you're into wedding season, it's far easier because you're making new content. So you've got stuff to post. It's just having that framework of a bank of hashtags or captions already pre-populated for the venues that you're going to go to or having a schedule of when you need to post so that, you know, when, when you are far busier, it you're not just, say, just scrolling back through hard drives going, oh, I wonder what I could post. Well, that could be nice. You kind of have a schedule of going, okay, I know I'm shooting a wedding this Saturday. I'm going to preview that on the Monday so that I can have... A kind of a framework built for that so i can post those previews on the wednesday then on a thursday i can look i can have this archive post because it's a throwback thursday or it's kind of having those things built or even with reels as well that we're seeing that i think this year they're going to be more prevalent than ever in our businesses is, is making that kind of content and for you as a vid as a videographer that when you're going through that culling process or even on the day kind of having being mindful to maybe take some portrait footage so that you've got those moments bank there primarily for social media rather than for your couple delivery i know a lot of videographers are starting to shoot you know a couple of vertical shots on the day i don't think that i would ever have the i don't know whether it's foresight but you know sometimes i have the intention of doing something on the day but once the day hits it's just like you're in your zone right so i think what's going to be more practical for me is shoot a little bit wider so then if i need to crop in for the 16 by 9 i can but then also i've got a room for the vertical shots as well yes yeah, so you're not double shooting so you you've still got that 
there for the deliverables for your client, but it's adaptable footage. Yeah, exactly. Because usually they'll do that like, like close up of the couple's face together, but then you crop that into vertical, you've got lips and that's it. <laughs> so you, you'd come out a little bit and then you could crop it for, for their film. But I think if you've got that in your mind, then you know before the wedding day, okay, I, I need some little bits. It's, it's a little bit there more in your mind rather than you having to have that prompt on the day to go. And, and again, I still don't feel yet that I'm at a place where I want to be actively taking footage whilst I'm working. I don't want anything to take away from the shooting that I'm doing. So I wouldn't be like folding one hand with the confetti and shooting with the other. But I think even just to get to you know, a quick pan of a venue in the morning, even a quick you know story talking to camera during dinner or things like that, I think there's there's times that you can still make content without it impacting your practice to your couple. Yeah, I think that's one thing you're great at and I always admire you for is you're, you're talking to camera stuff. You always find something to... But I think, again, I think it's just a case of taking people along with that journey yeah. and it doesn't have to even doesn't have to include your couple you know during say for example during dinner's a prime time for me that i'll probably go and scope my sunset spot so to just take a couple along with you it gives you a hint of where you are what you're doing and it keeps that intrigue up on kind of social media or i know that if i get inquiries while i'm away um from my desk at a wedding it does stay in that auto responded email that my student in just ends um i may not respond for a couple of days because i'm at weddings but if you want to keep up with what i'm up to check out my stories so you're you're feeding one workflow into another all the time and again keep servicing people that you're they could they're visible at what you're doing and um, i think that's that's important and to build those habits definitely and i think stories are really important at the moment as well because they're the things that show up at the top and the more they watch your stories the more you'll start showing up in the um in their I little feed i top. don't scroll as much as i used to i scroll that way on stories now rather than scroll people's grids or I find myself, if I see that they've posted in their stories, it might lead me away. But for the most part, I'm looking at stories far more than look at the grid. Yeah, because the hot tip is that if you're scrolling through your feed, you've got adverts mixed in there, you've got suggested posts, whereas the stories bit at the top, that's just people that you follow, isn't it, from what I know? And then obviously there's adverts in between, but you're just seeing the people you follow at the top. And the more they watch your stories, the more you're going to appear at the forefront of their minds. So someone's just followed you and they watch one of your stories, that's it, you're in... You're in their little feed, story feed at the top, and if you keep doing that, you're you're gonna you're gonna before running away. Oh, yeah, okay. We're turning into a social media episode, which is definitely on the list, and we'll get there at some point. But it's it's very easy to wander through. So I think the first um, things that I want to do um, at the start of any season are set goals and set boundaries. They're the kind of it, before I want to think about clearing my hard drives or buying a new kit or anything else from that. They're the main things that I want to do is kind of look at the year see how many bookings that i've got on board how many more do i want against how many do i need you know obviously because price changes that you make you know as you increase you have historical bookings on board that maybe you've booked a different price in so it's not as clear cut as oh i have 30 weddings in the book at two thousand pounds for example i'm earning this much this year because there's always going to be some smaller days or some days that you booked two years ago when you're at a lower price so it's kind of looking at where your pricing is now um, and also the main thing, how much time you want to have off? If there's, are there certain weekends that you're going to block book out at the beginning to go, no, this needs to be some holiday time for me, or that's my wife's birthday. I don't want to be shooting a wedding so that when that inquiry comes in, I find it much easier to say no, if I've already blocked that time out or booked something. Yeah. Otherwise I'm very flexible to go, oh, the holiday can probably wait yeah. to, to do the wedding. I think really important to book time for yourself throughout the year, especially during the wedding season, because it can be really easy to just think you're going to smash it out from, you know, March until September or October and just take no break just because you'd be so busy. I think somewhere you need... Well, I know that last year time. you took some breaks, didn't you? Right in the middle of winter season. You had a holiday, didn't you, around in summer? Yeah, so we had a 10 to 11 day holiday. Was that pre-booked at the start of the year? It was pre-booked. Um, but, you know, if anything, that may, that may have put me further behind, I think, but that was quite a long holiday. I think the main thing is making sure you've got days, maybe weekends to yourself. A long holiday is obviously fine, but make sure that you're prepared for the backlog that's going to happen. Yeah, or look what you've got around that holiday. I think even just a simple thing of saying, do you know what? I've got, I've booked three Saturdays in June already. That fourth one's for me. Even if an inquiry comes in, yeah, there's a difference between not being booked and being not available. And I think in order to, to not have, you know, reach burnout levels of shooting every Saturday for three or four months straight, it's setting that bar that boundary at the start of the year. And I find that I have a notice board that sits by my computer that I kind of write these boundaries on. And it almost feels like they've been taken off of me and I have this boss in my head then going, no, you can't book that day because it's this. Yeah. Where, because we are our own our own bosses, it's, it's so flexible, which sometimes can be your biggest enemy as well as 
your biggest you know like thing which you know, yeah yeah because good. because if a job comes in you you genuinely want to do it because someone's asking you to to film their wedding and and that's you know that's what you and I, uh, but I think it's very important to not let say your own personal relationships slip because of that and so to have those boundaries at the beginning in your diary are yeah are really really important for me and i think it's if you set those habits at the start of the year they're easier to to keep once you get busy like someone likened it to me once and i'm probably gonna go off on a wild tangent here is that as since you are a small child you're conditioned that you brush your teeth at morning and at night so it doesn't matter how drunk you are how tired you are ill you are whatever for the most part you still brush your teeth start the day at the end of the day and it's routine so for you to go, oh, I need to go to gym twice a week or I need to make that. So if you build that as a routine in the same way that you brush your teeth, when that person goes, oh, I need to have a meeting now, yeah. I'm brushing my teeth. I can't, you know, it's, it's it, you know, making sure that that, for you to service yourself and have that have that gym appointment or that, that you know, that, that morning off with your friend or whatever, it's building those, setting those habits now so that they become, once you get into wedding season, it's so easy and normally it's those things which are good for you some social or some fitness which are so easy to slip by and go no i'll just spend that time at my desk instead yeah i look at my goals from the last couple of years um and maybe not maybe pre-2020 and i just think hang on they're all work goals and it, like you say i think it's important to set your own personal time what you want to achieve personally as well um and some of that comes like you say from forming habits and I was going to say, it's quite easy for us to say, you know, turn down or turn down a wedding on a weekend because, you know, you've set yourself personal time. But some of some of you listening might not have the luxury of turning down the weddings. So what then you, you can try and do is plan how many weddings you want in a certain period of time. And then once you've got, you know, close to that, then you can sort of start turning them down. Like, And also I think it's being sensible. Like I've looked, I know from last year or due, your last couple of years that due to COVID, I ended up shooting a lot of weddings far closer together than I wanted to because of, you know, postponements and such. I think at one point I did four in a row, which I would never, ever advise to anybody. And I walked through the door on the end of my fourth wedding, laid in the middle of my floor and felt like I could literally die and cry at the same time because I was that tired. But at the same time, what I did find over that time is that I actually really enjoyed doing doubles. I find that I could take my head into weddings and when I came home that night, knowing that I was going back out again the next morning, I kind of didn't come down from the wedding high. And so that the couple that I got maybe the second day, I wasn't starting to jog into a sprint for their wedding. I was, I was still running and I was warmed up. So I found that then I realized, well, okay, if I only want to shoot, say, an X amount of weddings a year, if I can, I'm lucky enough that I can get those as doubles, I'm still making say six weddings in a month like in the best possible scenario i could shoot three doubles over three weekends and a whole weekend off yeah. but i've still shot six weddings in the month where if you shoot four saturdays you've lost all your weekends with your family or nine to fivers and you've still only shot four wedding yeah. no very true so that's what that's why it's important to plan when you want your wedding yeah, and, and knowing what's possible for you not everybody might say do you know what i i, I come home from a wedding and i'm done so I, I can't do that. Or you might say as a filmmaker, knowing how long the edit process on the other end, I can't afford to take on too many midweek weddings because my edits from the weekend then would pile up. I'm leaving myself no time to get those edited. And it's, it's, it's doing what's right for you, I think is the most important thing. I mean, we look very deeply at double headers because we're like, you know, how what's the travel time and things like that. And obviously, if you get home and then you're transferring everything and then if the travel time's a bit longer the next day, so we look quite deeply into that. But yeah, so like you say, it is important to set goals for yourself. Sometimes, to be honest, the, the times that you can get off will appear to you afterwards. So often, often we get booked sort of, what, a year in advance or whatever, maybe even more. Um, you might not have planned for 2024 what holidays you're going to take yet. Just just leave it a little bit. See when the bookings are coming in, that sort of thing. And I think this time, early part of the year is a really good place to do that. I think because... No, for myself, I never want to go into a year being fully booked for that year. So if I can get to a point where I can sit down in kind of January, February time and say, well, you know what? I've got two thirds of my wedding in for the year. I'm only chasing, say, a third of my bookings. And you can start to see where natural breaks emerge. And if you can start to block those gaps out then, that leaves you then with knowing you've got enough work in to pay the mortgage and to survive, but you've still got those rests in so that you'll go into the weddings that you have got you know refreshed and ready to go and and 
you know, kind of that you are going to see your family that year. Yeah, definitely. And I think moving on to the next point then is uh, sorting out your your marketing um, for the for you know this year because yeah, forgetting those weddings, yeah, forgetting those weddings next year because again, um, similar to social media, I guess, because it comes under the same bracket, is that you could you'll be so busy if editing, filming, f- photographing this year's weddings that often you can forget that you've still got a book for next year. And while, you know, this industry is relatively passive, there's not actually a lot of people I know who do a ton of marketing. Um, It's still, you need to be be putting yourself out there. Um, You need to think about things like your website, your brochure, your Instagram, um, you know, how you're communicating with other photographers and videographers as well, because I know that I get a lot of work from photographers. and yeah, you you can't you can easily get focused on this year and forget about what you're doing to get bookings next year. Yeah, I think it's it's that thing, isn't it? It's not just a it's not like football, if you like, where there's not oh a set season. You have at this season, then you have an off season, then you look like we do have that. But your the the booking doesn't stop because you're fully booked for this year. You're looking at so you're still trying to juggle that booking side of things whilst you're doing the shooting side for this. And what you know, going back to what we said at the start of the thing is in having that social media plan banked up is it so you're making the most of the content that you're making in order to attract those couples going forward and i think if you probably look at the marketing that you do now and you wrote it down physically a lot of people probably do more marketing than they think they do but even being at a wedding is a marketing opportunity for people to see you working i'm not saying you have to go around handing flyers out since to the granny you know, yeah, that's table, happened. Yeah, but, but yeah. you being there being polite being friendly that is still setting a good example to potentially clients who are at that wedding going to a wedding fair if you're recommended at a venue a lot of you find that their showcases are this time of year having those if you want to start looking at doing any paid advertising because maybe you haven't got the bookings that you wanted it's 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 setting that stuff up because it's not a quick process and trying to you know just chuck money at an instagram ad on a whim because you're busy in season and hoping that that's going to be a band-aid to to booking more weddings it's not the case where if you've got time now to sit down and put together a strategy for you know those campaigns you're going to see a much better return on it. So styled shoots, which I don't tend to do a lot, to be honest. Um, but I do think styled shoots have their place in terms of, and we'll get into all of this eventually. But I in think terms there was a great episode brand, to be had on that. But I think yeah. it, where if you, the, the two things that I think styled shoots are great for, if you're starting out to get you places that you can't, that you wouldn't go or not getting booked at currently, venues. network, exactly that. Or if you want to move markets, if you're, if you feel that you're stuck in a rut and you're only getting a certain type of wedding, because obviously you can only market with the content that you have. Yeah. And if you are only getting a certain type of wedding and then maybe it's not a wedding which or the type of wedding that you want to move into, you need to get content in the weddings that you do need to do. So style and shoot at this time of year, they say are a great time to get out there. Just meet some other suppliers in different areas of not just in the you know, the, the camera wielding, you know, I'm going to use kind of term industry of photo, photo video, but meet florists, meet hairstylists. Because if you put set a good impression to them and provide them with good imagery as well, they're going to market that on and it's going to have your name attached to it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's actually quite interesting what you said about people market themselves without realising. And I think what I said earlier about, you know, not many people do marketing. We all are actually doing marketing I think, by yeah. just by saying hello to people and being like, you know. Is there a term of like like passive marketing? Which I guess that is. Like for me going, oh, I'm going to go to my local wedding magazine and pay a few hundred pounds for an advert is a very active marketing strategy but just being nice to somebody at a wedding or say being referred to a job by somebody else or yeah tag tag in some suppliers and yeah all those small things that you do kind of daily probably without realizing are still drawing couples in and i think that leads on to a point that we spoke to earlier about workflows is that you need to be looking at that data which hopefully you're harnessing when you're getting inquiries is finding out where those inquiries are coming from so that then you know that that marketing that you are doing is being well spent. And I know that I look at this time of year, that that off season, is I look back over all of my inquiries for last year and see where my biggest sources are. Because if I'm paying for an advert in a magazine or on a website, I need to know that that's converting to inquiries. And if it's not, then you maybe look at cutting it loose or moving that, that budget into somewhere else. Yeah, definitely referrals and and having something on your on your form that says you know where did you hear about me is really important because then you do start to see where all the bookings come from 
Um, and we initially got a load from Google, but now it's often coming from Instagram or it's coming from photographers or it's coming from people who are at another wedding that we'd been at. And a lot of that is passive because it's just being friendly. And uh... and I think some of that as well, if you're looking at the start of your journey, is some of that stuff you will just take time. Like I know that I've shot, I shot weddings last year from guests who were at weddings that I shot two or three years ago. It just because there's not a bridesmaid with a ring on her finger at that wedding who's looking to get married the next year, it doesn't mean that you being friendly is not going to pay you back down the line. Or all that, or that, that mum of the bride that you know that you gave a really great experience to isn't going to go home and tell her friend whose daughter's getting married, or the lady at work, or whoever. And it's it's all of those things. I think that's those passive marketing things, although you're not spending out your money on them, are still or sometimes more valuable than you know the things that you've seen that you've invested in as marketing. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really important to have. Uh, an infrastructure there once your marketing does work so obviously there's no point in marketing if you just if it's really hard to find you as a business or as a person so things like your website and your brochure and the experience we've already just spoken a little bit about the, the process and, and the workflows but you want people to be able to find you pretty pretty easily so this is the time you want to be refining your website making sure it's reflective of the clients with all the couples that you're targeting um and also again getting that client experience recent like i you know the, the one that's kind of that i've really worked on probably the hardest over my off season this year is blogging like trying to blog during wedding season is like pushing water up a hill it just does not happen and i think sometimes you need that kind of breathing space on those images to look at them six months down the line and to see it differently when you're too close to a day sometimes it's hard but i think as again as a couple to come to your website they want to see or you want them to see your most recent and best work not to say that you can't leave old stuff on there if it still holds up but every year you want to be refreshing your website your brochure with you know your most recent work because you would hope that you're improving year on year and that will be your best and it again is it's hard to do that during wedding season because you'd feel that you just updated it and then the next weekend you'd go and shoot a great wedding and you'd have something else to, to, to show but i think at this time of year to look through your portfolio and kind of go, that doesn't fit with my brand anymore. Or I don't want to attract that anymore. Or do you know what? That sunset was great, but I shot one last year that was so much better that I can replace it with. So, you, you know, as much as you're the, the photos or the videos that you make, you're making them for your couples because it's their wedding days. You still got to see that as pieces of content, which you're going to use to market to your future couple. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important what you say about keeping it up to date because also um we found for us in particular that we've really found a style in the last couple of years and you know we're trying to put the videos on our website to match that style like not to go too much into it but we're going from for couples who want fun and celebration and not romance and love basically so we'll, get, we'll obviously put a little bit of both in there but we're looking for couples that want to have fun on their wedding day basically and so we've gotten we, we've mostly removed a lot of like small you know 30 person family weddings from our from our portfolio that's not saying we wouldn't do them if we got inquiries for them the lovely couple would take it it's not necessarily going to go on the website because it's not the people we're targeting but again there's a whole other thing of of finding your brand it is, and i think that and that'll lead quite nicely onto our next episode which will be coming up in a couple of weeks time which will be about kind of target clients and and filtering inquiries that come in to make sure that you get the best clients for, for your style but I think at the moment, it's also sometimes just spending this time at the start of the year to look across those weddings that you did and almost with quite a critical eye of your own work. Because sometimes when you're in wedding season, you do you photograph your group shots in a certain way or you set your cameras up in a church in the similar places to knowing what you need. And I think at the time you do that because that's the best way you know how. But when you look at it on the back end, you go, well, is it? You know, am I creating, am I doing something because I'm stuck in my ways? And I found that at the start of the year just to look back over almost like you're a teacher doing a report card on your own weddings and go well do you know what i shot the group shots in this place or on this lens and it looks so much better than when i stood them against the wall and shot them really wide so do more of that and when you're in the day you do you say you do what you think is right but i think almost looking back at me and self-critical over your work in order to push it on or going do you know what i feel like my speeches game is really strong but my dance floor images let the gallery down, you know that you need to go and do some training maybe on 
dance floor flash or whatever in order to that's a really good point it's really hard to look look at your work as you're doing it and sort of critique it but if you're looking at it fresh eyes a year later or the year afterwards you know you can look back and, and sort of identify things i know that last year <clears throat> i started the first couple of weddings with a gimbal in each hand in each hand with different lenses on and i ended not using a gimbal at all so refining throughout the year is important but then also looking back and realizing what went well and what didn't to apply it to next year is important as well but as a videographer who has had you know quite a big backlog for the last couple of years like not the same sort of backlog but essentially like during the wedding season it gets to a couple of months it's hard to it's a slow refining process because you're not looking at that wedding and culling that footage and, and editing that film until two three months later so then you can apply anything you've learned so it now is a good time to look back at in bulk your collection of work and well, i think also is i only feel that may, maybe i have a maybe well, my brain works differently to others but you can only look at a wedding in a certain way at once and i think when you're editing that wedding you're editing it with kind of memories of your own memories of the day if that was a really good wedding and oh and you kind of you've got that excitement attached to it or that kind of personal relationship with the couple and i'm not saying that that wanes in six months but i think you're able to detach yourself from do you know what? That was still a great day. I've still made some great pictures, but how can I use what I learned on that day to make an even better set of pictures for my couples next year? You can kind of detach from the, oh, they were so lovely. Oh, it was so great, that wedding. And can't see any further than that. That, uh, do you know what? If I'd have just moved them a little bit so the sun wasn't straight in my barrel, they would have had an even better set of pictures. It's using those things to do that, I think, is, is I think really good. I think you get away with that a bit more in video, to be honest, <clears throat> because each individual shot doesn't count as much as if you're looking at one photo it really that photo everything everything in that photo counts the framing you know the position of the light where the shadows are if you're looking at video obviously we're trying to look at that but it's much more important as to the what's going on yeah, in the shot yeah. More, yeah and so for me i'll look back at a whole highlights film and be like i've edited that so well like it looks so good and this this part's good but then if i take one particular shot from it it's yeah that's kind of almost the more important thing is what am I doing in this section of the dance floor? Like, am I doing it? Am I, you know, not shooting it right? Am I lying it wrong? And don't you find as well, I really enjoy going through my archives because sometimes in the summer, I shoot so much and so fast. I look at it, I love it, I edit it, I deliver it. And then because you're on to the next job, you almost forget. And sometimes to sit and look back through some weddings that you shot six months ago, you find stuff in there which you think, oh, that's absolutely gold or that's an amazing moment, which I then want to, push out on socials or i forgot i'd even taken or that or or that's a prime portfolio image and sometimes i find there are a lot of in-between frames or they're quite because you know you get the big sunset or the big first kiss or the confetti that stuff you kind of earmark for previews straight away that's what you remember from the day where do you know what there might just be a really lovely shot of nan during the speeches the so low-key shots they might, yeah they really... and because and they don't stick in your memory you don't you don't rush back to them and go i need to find that shot for this yeah. but when you just sift through a gallery that's when probably, arguably, you probably find your best work. Definitely. And I, I find exactly the same thing. Like, it's, especially if I'm shooting a more, like a quieter wedding, I guess, that's not necessarily going to make the portfolio. Sometimes I'm going to end that wedding and be like, okay, this this might not make the, the, the cut in terms of like the website or whatever. And so I'll be editing it for the couple and not thinking I'm going to take bit of this bits and this bits. So I'll come back to it later and be like, wow, there's a, there's a moment here. I could take this. And I've recently done this, actually. I've come back to an old wedding uh, um, when I was like making some reels for social media to post in the future and been like, this is a really nice moment. This, you know, and I can take this out. Whereas when I was editing, I was like, this whole wedding as, as a whole isn't my brand, but that this little moment here is. And I think that's something which is really important as well is not only looking through what you've done the last year, but looking over what you've done as a whole, because as you start to build that, do you know what, I want to move in this direction or maybe shoot more of those weddings. There might have been one of those weddings that you shot two or three years ago, which has got loads of good content in it. But because you've got a better camera now or you've got a different editing style now, you can go through that archive, re-edit that stuff, kind of, you know, kind of give it a bit of a freshen up. And it might still then fit on your website with all your new stuff. But just the way that you edited it three years ago didn't or you might find a frame in there which really fits which you hadn't realized so it's not just looking at over the past season it's looking at where you're at and what else you've got in your archive that works with that to market forward 
yeah i've definitely gone through it before and like looked at an old trailer or something and gone do you know what i can make that like suitable for me now basically and then put it on the website that's it because yeah we all take raw footage and everything even if you've been a photographer in the past five or six years cameras have still been of a good enough quality if you're looking for an image for a portfolio you know you're not looking at putting it on the billboard at the end of your road to market with that even if you shot it on a camera say three or four years ago it's probably still going to be of a reasonable size and quality that with an edit through the latest version of premiere or lightroom that it will still look as as good yeah actually just if it's on the website like cameras have been good enough to be you know for pictures that big for a while like and people i'd say most couples are looking at the content of the photos as well and and the the photos as i know if i'm looking at a photographer's page i'm looking at sort of the first maybe five to ten photos and what they are of and if all of them are you know a sort of full body shot of a couple you know doing the poses and things like that I know they're more of a sort of, I don't know what you call it, a fine art or uh, what's it called? It's just a more kind of posed or less documentary yeah. style, really. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But if there's, if the first five photos I see are dance floor shots, like ultra wide, someone raving, that sort of thing. I know this person's like, is more interested in the tiny little moments. Than... Yeah, you know what they're about or what, and your couples know what you're about as, as a, as a, you know, as, as a photographer or videographer by those first images. And I think that leads on quite nicely to one of the other points that I've got down is consistency. And I think, if you want to use this time at the start of the year to look at maybe your base grade or your base preset and say, well, do you know what? I'm starting to move away from, you know, I, I'm finding that I want to drop my saturation a little bit or ease back on my contrast. I think to do a, a full U-turn on, you know, on, on your edit, you would have to go back through then the weddings that you'd shot in previous years with a, dif with a different edit and regrade them so that where everything on your site still looks like it's coming from the same place or you do your tweaks, or I know that I do my tweaks to my base preset at the start of the season, so that every wedding that you shoot that season looks the same. Yeah. So that, you know, and I know obviously the lighting's different, the venue's different, you're always going to get warmer, cooler, you know, different lit situations, but if you're still working from the same base, people should be able to look at your work and go, that's a Chris film, or that's a Tom thing, yeah. just because of the way of those colours that they are, or if you're looking at investing in a new preset or something like that, I think to do that in the middle of season, there would be quite a disjoint in the work that you put out. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And that's something that I didn't do last year is um, a mistake that I made is halfway through the year, I changed my preset. I essentially then saw another videographer who started using that preset as well. So then I changed back and created a new one. So now I've got a section in the middle of last year where it dramatically changes in color. And then I realized, you know, maybe I don't want to do that because my films are looking too similar to this person, so I want to change. And now I've got, when it comes to creating the showreel, I've got a load of stuff that looks completely that, different. And so I have to regrade. Re yeah, and I think it's all of that thing, you know, again, which, you know, without giving too much away for a future episode is that all comes as part of building a brand or building something is that you need kind of, yeah, a set of colors for your logos and the rest of it, but also a style of work and a style of editing, which people know is yours without having your name slapped in front of it or or whatever i think to make those changes now is kind of it's, it's part of that's the good part of getting all your ducks in order at the start of the season yeah so get your presets sorted get your your nuts sorted um for video it doesn't have to be exact you can you know you're going to be manipulating things as you go along like you say for different venues and also i know people um have different presets for different like seasons yeah you, it's the same thing especially if you're someone that starts to enter the destination work or is doing that you can't use the same preset for, you know, a July in Santorini that you can for the, you know, for the same, the way, you know, when, when you're shooting in Scarborough in December, uh, you know, it's, they're, 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 they're two very different places and you can't make that stuff in the cold winter that really, really warm, but in the same way you can't make somewhere which is bright and sunny look really, really cold. So it's, but I think it's just that certain tone of, of colours and levels of saturation and things like that, which say, which, which are all lying that brace light or base preset that kind of still make it yours. Definitely. And going on from that, you want to make sure that before your season, your gear is nailed down as well. Yes, I think that's just as important. Like I, I am wrote this note here and it says that you MOT your car once a year. So why don't you do the same to your camera? And I think it's, is the point is I, you know, I use two cameras and two lenses pretty much for most of the day. And those things take a hammering, you know, over last year shooting, what, 45 weddings, 12 hour days, plus, you know, commercial work stuff for myself and the rest of it. You know, you're putting thousands of frames or hundreds of hours of footage through those cameras and, and they they are, you're thinking, yeah, if you pull a camera out of your bag and it doesn't work or you've got a lens and it's 
got sand in it because you shot on a beach or something, you can't do your job. So making sure that if you want to buy a new kit and then get, get used to it, that's kind of done now. And also that the kit that you have got, if your sensors are cleaned, you know, your the, the rubbers aren't hanging off of them. If you've lost a lens cap, buy a new one at this end of the season and yeah, all of those things. Yeah, make sure you're not doing that sort of mid-season, especially like sensor cleaning and stuff. Like you, you don't want to turn up to your first wedding and be like, oh, I've got dust on a set. Like you want to turn up to your first wedding with a clear just mindset of everything sorted, all the cards are already pre-formatted because sometimes I leave um, my cards on my audio devices unformatted for a while because they can they can support like, hours and hours and hours of footage. So um, everything's completely empty and you're just ready to go from scratch, I think is the main thing. And that's it. And, you know, with a video, it's, it's even more so. Like the amount of kit that you have and different batteries for different devices is having that kind of workflow of, you know, like, like I know that you've got a very sexy like charging wall. So that, that you can come in and you know that battery belongs to my audio device, that belongs to my gimbal, that belongs to my camera. Where for me, I'm very lucky that I have a flash battery and a camera battery and that's about it. But it's still having, it's, you know, if you want to start build something like that now so that you know that you can come in, spill your spent batteries, chuck them on the wall and go to bed, that you're, you're sorting that stuff out now or, you've, or you know last year that you had a couple of real sticky moments where you were... You know, you were running out of battery fast, knowing that you've got to charge it over dinner to get to the speeches. Buy another battery at this time of year. That has been huge, having like the charging, charging station, and having. I said the actually the probably the biggest part about it is having. I have a bucket for charged batteries and a bucket for non-charged. So I always know just at a glance what I need to charge for either the next wedding or you know what's sitting in the not charged things. So basically, I've got to do that. And I think for for photography, I've sent photographers who don't use the same SD cards. So they won't they won't form an SD card until that wedding is edited. Yeah. So what if you're doing that, what you don't want to do is get back, just whack your SD card on the desk and then hope you're gonna transfer it later. Yeah, and not know what's on it. And then you do you know, you shoot a double and you do the next the next day, then you don't know what's on what card. Or even whilst they're in your bag. Like I know photographers that have like a pencil case or like a little like cloth bag of two different colors and say that all my charge batteries are in the green sack and all my spent ones are in the red sack so when you take the camera out it goes in so then you're like opening your bag and then potentially plucking an empty battery out in a moment of a tight turnaround because you've just left them in the bottom of your bag very true and also going on from gear just the last thing on that is just making sure that you've got the gear that you're going to get used um uh nailed as well so what i'm saying here is basically if you buy something new middle of the wedding season you've then got to figure out how that integrates into your workflow um and you've got to also figure you've got to also test it so you can't just go to a wedding and just rock up and try and use that because there might be some things that you didn't know about unbox it in the car in the morning to yeah. run in and use it like microphones you do not want to you need to test that microphone in every condition before you then go put it on a groom or something because you know you need to be prepared for lots of different things happening during that um but for me in particular was, you know, using, I, I think I bought a new gimbal once um, and took it to a wedding, thought it was absolutely fine. It was just shaking loads and it just sank wrong with the firmware or something. But because I hadn't tested it thoroughly beforehand, um, it just didn't work out for me. So I was shooting hand nailed that. And I think, you know, on the, on, the, on the flip side to that as well is, and I think, I, I like to think we're all guilty of this. It's not just me that has a buying problem. Is that if you've bought a lens and you haven't used it, and it's just sat on your cupboard collecting dust for the rest of wedding season, is use this time here to sell it and reinvest that money elsewhere or looking at my kit or looking in your bag and going, well, what did I actually take out and use at the wedding last year and what didn't I use? What am I just carrying for that odd time? Like we were talking earlier and you were saying about, you know, having a super wide lens that you found that you were carrying it around to all your weddings, but you were actually only using it for one shot. So going forward, it's going, well, do I still need to have that six, seven, eight hundred pound lens in my bag? could I reinvest that lens into a better 35 and upgrade that lens because that's what I'm using for 80% of the day. And I think it's, you know, it's all very well having that money sat in your business, but if you're not using the kit as well, time to sell that on and reinvest at this time of year is a great time to do that as well because there'll be somebody else out there who wants to buy that lens for their wedding season and so that, you know, that, that you maybe will find a buyer for it quicker than you will at the other end of the year. I think that's good. I think simplify start again afresh everything's charged everything's formatted you've you've got your gear to a point where it's only what you use um and then again like you said that free up frees up finances for the year as well and i think a closing point before this runs into too much of a long episode is the most important thing probably before you start to think about this stuff 
is finish up your stuff from last year. And that's the, it is, I found it, and I, it's the first time it ever happened to me was last year. From shooting so many weddings in 2021 to going into 2022, it took me till mid-Feb to finish my December weddings from the year before. And I found it really, really tough to kind of get my head into this year and think of this year as a new season when my mind was still in finishing last season. And I know it's not always possible if you're shooting weddings, you know, through December or through November and you've got longer edit times is you can't get them all done before Christmas. You know, th this year I was fortunate, or last year I was fortunate that I managed to deliver my last wedding on Christmas Eve so that I could go into that Christmas period and then the new year with a complete clean slate, which was brilliant for me. And I was, I would actively look to do, actively look to do that again I'm this so year. I'm so jealous about that. And I you? feel like I've spent the time that I've had really wisely to get this stuff in order because I haven't had that hanging over me. And that's something that I would definitely plan for in years going forward. So I think that's the main thing is if you've got those edits, you've got USB boxes that are, haven't been sent out or all of that stuff is really make sure that stuff is not done because once you start this season, it'll get forgotten about. And then that's bad practice from the couples that you've already had. You want to try and have as little to do's for couples last year as possible. Like, I don't know, like photo albums and things just done, like anything that you need to send to them done. And then you don't need to have that, that's a line then crossed and you're only looking forward rather than looking back. And that's so important, I think, to be to be firmly looking forward and, and just getting yourself excited about what's to come. And hopefully you've got a bag of great bookings in or couples that you can't wait to work with. And if half your mind is still on, oh, I need to get an, an album done for Dave and Sue that got married in October, you're, you're not committing fully to the jobs you've got in front of you. And you, you owe your couples that, as well as you owe the couple that got married in October their album. So yeah, kind of, I think it's, it's kind of like, if you put it into like an analogy of a ship, it's mopping down the decks, kind of getting all the stuff from the last journey stowed away and then restocking and refueling and getting ready for for the next journey of this season. Definitely. So yeah, we got through quite a lot, quite a lot. I feel episode. like we've, yeah, we've talked, we've talked for a lot, but hopefully there's, there's something in there which has given you some really good ideas or as, you know, pinged a light bulb moment of something that you need to get to before you start your wedding season, hopefully in the next few weeks that you can address from listening to this. Yeah, I feel like each of these points deserves its own episode. We were talking about this beforehand, that like there are so many things of these points that we could go and talk for another hour for. Um, but what we wanted to do is really just give you this brief overview of what to do um, before the wedding season starts. And later on in future episodes, we'll go through in more detail a lot of this stuff. But if there's something in particular that you want to see, then feel free to drop us a message. Or if there's a comment section on what you're watching, let us know in the comments if there's something that you want to, to see in the future. Yeah, or anything you want us to elaborate on. If you feel that we have any skin the surface on something and you know, you, you're you're more interested in a certain aspect, feel free to message either of us on, on our channels or you know, or through this and we can answer you on on the, the kit that we use or the software that we use to do that certain thing, of course. Amazing. Well, thank you for listening. So yeah, thank you. And and again, um this is our our first proper episode and you know, as as we build up, I'd like to think that the audience will grow with it and all of your shares and likes and subscriptions and the rest of the things. And just tell your friends. That's the main thing. Like, again, we said in our intro, I know my mum will listen and we've got a couple of mutual photographer and video friends that will listen. But, you know, just that, even that one share or you telling your friends about this podcast will really hope, help it get to a bigger audience. And yeah. if this has been helpful, definitely share it with as many people as you can. Yes. Amazing. See you in the next one. Thank you very much. See you next time.